Welcome to The Family with Tom Bernard. Tom is still out dealing with COVID. Filling in, I'm Dave Schrader along with... Andy Brand Bernard. And Cassie Schrader. We've got the one, the only, the comic legend, Bill Engvall, next right here on The Family. Tommy, I never believed it until now, but apparently you're a pretty big deal. Was there ever a question in your mind? Well, you might say I was a doubting Thomas. See what I did there? Yes, how incredibly clever. Anyway, what's your point? Well, last month I was trying to find you a car to replace the Mafia Mobile and suggested leasing a Nissan Altima as it was impossible to find your first choice. I love that Altima, and I'm actually looking forward to checking out the all-wheel drive as soon as it's known. Well, apparently someone at Nissan was listening to us, and at this month, at Coon Rapids Nissan and Burnsville Nissan, we can offer short-term 18-month leases. That's actually pretty smart. By then, the chip shortage will be over, right? Man, I hope so. The only chip shortage I want to hear about is Bilski dumping one into the bunker. By the way, for the first time ever, Coon Rapids Nissan was number one in the state, and Burnsville was number two. Your Altima was actually one of the cars that put J-Lo on top. To learn more about short-term leasing, stop into Burnsville Nissan or Coon Rapids Nissan. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my question is you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. We're back. This is the family. Tom Bernard out. Do we know Andy? Is, is he coming in tomorrow? Is he taking over? Or is he taking the full week off from the podcast? Uh, full week off from the podcast, All I right. believe. So you're stuck with me for an extra day, Andy. Yeah. I, I apologize for that. <laughs> but wow. we've got a great show lined up for you today. Uh, a little bit later on in the program, John Tebow is going to join us as we talk about totally ridiculous laws still on the books. But right now joining us, one of my absolute favorite comedians, and I'm so happy that I'm able to have him on the show with us. Uh, I've been a guest on his show, his podcast twice, talking about the supernatural, the paranormal, and uh, now we're here to talk about his career and uh, future plans, ladies and gentlemen, Bill Ingvall. Bill, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Great to talk I, uh, with you again. I haven't talked to you in a while. Yeah, it's, it's been quite a while, but I'm glad we're able to catch up. And you've got, uh, I know we just missed you in Minnesota. I was unfortunately out in uh, another state I'm still not allowed to mention uh, filming a TV program when you were here, but you're out doing your farewell tour, Bill. You're you're finally putting down the microphone. This is it for you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It got you know it got to that point where you just know. Uh, you know, I always said that I wanted to go out on my terms, and uh, you know I've been so lucky in my career that as I say often, you know I caught the brass ring, and uh, I just, you know, I, I kind of wrestled with the decision for a while, but like I, said, I, I never wanted to be that. We've all been to those shows where you saw the act and you went, eh, they should have stopped about a year ago. And uh, I, I don't ever want to do that to the fans. So it's, it's time. Well, we had a chance to see you. Uh, you and Larry, the cable guy, were here at, uh, I think it was at Target, uh, Target Center, I think, a number right. of years ago. We got to see you guys perform and absolutely loved it. I am fascinated by the ability that you guys have shared during your, your time with the Blue Collar uh, Comedy Tour that you're able to bring such laughter, such joy and heart to a program. And I, I honestly, thinking about it, can't think of one swear word I remember coming out of any of your mouths during that that. Time and watching all of your comedy specials over and over, that's just not part of your lexicon, which I, I really applaud, Bill, because that has got to be a much tougher job. I mean, obviously, there's a, it's a very easy 
crutch to lean into curse words to get shock value laughs and, and do that. Was there ever a point in your career where that was more a part of who you were? Oh, I'm sure when I first started, I'm sure I was a lot dirtier than I thought I needed to be. <laughs> uh, but, you know, and I think a lot of it comes from just uh, not being secure with who you are. And that's not to say that, you know, listen, every comedian's style's got a niche. There's there's people who like the dirty stuff and then there's people who don't. And I found out early on in my career that, you know, I looked at guys like Bob Newhart and Steve Martin mm-hmm. and uh, they, uh, they, they got through the whole show without swearing. And I thought there's something to that. And uh, I looked at the length of their careers and it's, it's worked out the best for me. And that's, you know, listen, I'm not judging anybody by whether they're dirty or not. I just know from my point of view that, I found that if you work clean and relatable, you're going to work a long time. And the 42 years that I've been doing this is kind of an attestant, a testament to that. Do you ever find yourself listening to another comedian and kind of editing yourself going, oh, I could have done that story this way and I wouldn't have needed to lean in on this? I mean, do you, are you ever critical? Not to the point where you go up and say, hey, man, drop the swear words or drop this. But do you watch how you could manipulate those same stories and get, you think, equal laughs without you know, the naughty bits? Um, yeah, I think probably subconsciously I do. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't sit around, like you said, and say, let me tell you the right way to do this. Right. Uh, <laughs> it, uh, but it definitely is. Um, it's something you know, I think about. It's funny because that's, that's a comedian's ultimate compliment to another comedian is when you think to yourself, Oh, I wish I'd have thought of that. But uh, yeah, th- I don't, I don't know. You know, it's, uh, you know, I, it was funny. I used to say that the last show I ever do, I'm going to say everything I ever wanted to say on stage. <laughs> and my friend says, you won't do it. And I said, you're right. It just wouldn't it, it, it'd be like putting on a pair of shoes that don't fit. Uh, it just, it wouldn't seem right. And, it, and I think the audience would go like, wait, what are you doing? Stop that. You know? Uh, and it's, it served me well. I, I always try to put the show together in a sense of, would I want to sit through 90 minutes of this with my wife sitting next to me? And that's been a good bar for me to, to, to use. There's, you know, and it, but it's funny in this day and age, people are so the world's changed so much in our outlook and what we get offended by. And, uh, you know, even as clean as I do a show, I've, you know, I've had people say, wow, you didn't have to do that. And I'm like, wow. Okay. Um, you know, I don't know what, what do you want me to do with this? But, uh, it's it, it overall though i think you, you're good if you really want to if you're thinking about being a comedian or you are one or a young comedian and you want a long career i can just tell you that i know from personal experience that working clean like i said and working relatable will, will do well for you it's interesting you bring up how the culture has changed right i mean you go back and and look uh even in, in the 80s the heyday when you've got comedians that are, are filling stadiums on a regular basis huge names out there and what now you watch those and there's this cringe factor that the humor is still there. The funny bits are still there. And, and it's a window into looking into their lives of what was and what wasn't acceptable at this point. But is that making it harder as oh, a comedian? Yeah. yeah. Do, do you find yeah. your, is that another reason why it's just like, you know what, it, it's just not fun when you've got to self-edit everything that you're about to say or do and wonder how this thing's going to land. Exactly. Uh, that was a, a it, it gets to be the point where you're focusing more energy on trying to figure out what's right to you know what everybody wants you to say instead of what really feels natural. And, you know, it's funny because I look at other comedians, even like especially like British comedians, uh, they swear so much. It's not even dirty anymore. It's, right. uh, it's, it's just part of the language. Uh, and. So I just found that, you know, one of the criteria that I was using to determine whether I was ready to retire or not was, and you kind of touched on it there, but how much is the show still fun? And it used to be that traveling was way down and now and the show was way high. And now this kind of flip-flopped, uh, you know, and I think what really pushed me over the edge with this was COVID. Uh, I just, because I, when we couldn't work, I discovered that I wasn't really missing it. And that's when I knew that it was time to, to maybe find a different avenue or a different uh, venue to work. Uh, and, and I don't know what that is yet, but uh, I'm sure it'll show, make itself known to me. But I listen, I got no complaints. I, I, you know, there's not many people. 
42 years in any other job, you are retired. You know, right. you're, you're, uh, and I, I, there's the thing I, I, that I'm most proud of this, of, of my career is that when it, when that last show happens, nobody will come to me and say, Ooh, you almost made it, you know, uh, because <laughs> I've got to do everything I ever wanted to do. Uh, you know, I really love the podcast world, but as you guys know, uh, that's that's a full time job. You yeah. can't just dabble in podcasts because if you do, that's what it looks like. Um, and uh, you know, my wife and I just turned into tuned in. Our daughter told us of all people about this podcast out there right now called "My Dad Wrote a Porn," which is just uh, <laughs> filthy. But it's but it's a, it's a genius way to do a podcast. And uh, it, I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, but the, the story behind it is that. This guy's dad literally wrote a pornographic novel. And what he did was he got hold of it, the son did, and he and two of his friends, one female, one male, and they read it out. He reads it out loud and they just tear it apart because it's the, you know, the grammar's bad. The, <laughs> the, you know, the, he obviously had the dad has no idea of the female anatomy of things he says. And so it becomes very funny, but that's what they do. That's all they do. And that's why, you know, like, like I said, I'd like to get into the podcast world. I know Dave, you and I did a couple, but the paranormal, I'm really fascinated by that, uh, about what people perceive that they see uh, as far as whether is it really a, 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 a being or is it just uh, somebody wanting something so bad that the brain says, all right, I'll, I'll show you what you want to see, but it is really unreal. Uh so I don't know what the, what it's going to be, but I, I would really like to, to maybe find a, a, a real strong vehicle to, in which to do a podcast. And because uh, I think that's kind of the new medium right now. Uh, it's it's almost kind of taken the place of li- of book of reading, you know. Right. The, and so hopefully uh, the, maybe there'll be something in that that field that uh, that I can do. And the, the other thing is. I'm so been so lucky in in, uh, in my career that it you, you like anything it's got to be fun for you. I mean, I'm not into this for money anymore. Uh, you know, my wife is taking care of our finances. That that's what's great is when you're married to your own business manager. You know, you know exactly where all the money is. Uh, is although I say all, I say all the money she never leaves me. I'm in big trouble because I <laughs> I don't know passwords. If you said how much is in your checking account, I go I don't I don't even I didn't even know we had a checking account. You know. <laughs> You just have the lumps of money underneath the, the mattress, right? That's yeah. I don't know where she's got it hidden, but you know, she gives me my share. And, uh, but yeah, it's, and then, you know, the, the other thing is that, that this is a huge part of the retirement. My wife has been so great throughout this whole journey. Uh, never once did she say, why do you got to go? Or, you know, I'm here with the kids and you're gone. I'm sure she thought it, but mm-hmm. she never said it. And that made the journey, the journey so much easier. And so I want to spend some time, more time with her and with the grandbaby and uh, just kind of seeing what normal life is like for a while. I like that you say for a while. There's always that backdoor clause, right? Well, oh, well, right think, now it's not as fun, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> retirement's yeah. subjective. If somebody said, hey, Bill, here's some <clears throat> stupid money, come to a show, I'd probably say, okay, I'll be there. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's. What the thing that's interesting about this job is everybody sees you on stage for seventy-five to ninety minutes, and they think, "Oh man, what a great job! You get to travel around the country. You're doing shows in front of people in theaters, and uh, that's uh, you know, and it, it's great." I go, "Yeah, but you don't see the twenty-two and a half hours where you're in a Holiday Inn or Comfort Suites, or you know, and you're just by yourself because you know, like you generally, generally the way that like this, uh, I've got shows coming up that the weekend." I literally fly in to do a show, do the show, get on the plane, fly to the next gig, sleep all day, and do the show, and that that takes it out of you. And and, and I'm 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 thoroughly convinced it takes years off your life. Uh, but it's it's what what I did. You know, it was part of being a, a comedian, and that's why. And just like podcasts, you can't just dabble into a stand up. You, you've got to really commit to it. 
And we will mention for listeners, if you go to BillEngvall.com and uh, click on the tour tab, it'll tell you where Bill's going to be. December 2nd, the Villages, Florida. He's going to be at the Sharon L. Morse Center for the Performing Arts. Uh, what do you, you have a, a 5 and an 8 p.m. show there. Uh, December 3rd, he's going to be in Lakeland, Florida at the Yuki Theater. Uh, December 11th in Oroville, California at the Gold Country Casino and Hotel. And then on the 12th, you can find him in Fort Hall, Idaho at the Fort Hall Casino, both a 5 and 8 p.m. show. I'm curious, is there really a difference at these shows from the earlier show to the late show? Is If you had a preference of... Bill, we have two slots. Which one is going to always be the powerhouse? Where would you lean into? Uh, well, if you don't have to do two shows, I would like the eight o'clock shows. Are, but I will tell you this: I'm getting older, mm-hmm. and that earlier show really is enjoyable. Uh, and and I say that just in a sense of with the early show, you, you kind of relax more mm-hmm. because you know it's early in the evening. You're not really you know, not that you're not putting your energy into it, but that's the way my stand-up goes, as you saw in the, sh- the shows, is it's very much kind of like we're just sitting around the living room and I'm the funny guy doing the talking. Right. Uh, but I-, I tell you, that was another thing when I knew when it was time for me to, to maybe step aside for a while, uh, is that uh, when I was playing the clubs, I remember when we played Las Vegas, the improv in Las Vegas, and we did 17 shows in six days hmm. and never blinked an eye at it. Now, at 65 years old, I, they say we're doing two shows. I'm like, oh, what? <laughs> two shows? <laughs> so so that's when I knew another. I thought, yeah, it's time for you to step away. Yeah, and it's hard. You know, I found when I started doing Darkness Radio and we were doing Darkness Radio events, when we started it 15 years ago, I could stay up till 2 or 3 in the morning with all the guests after the ghost hunt and talk and make sure everybody got to their room safely, and then I'd be up at 8.30, 9 o'clock the next morning to get everything ready for the next day of events. And, you know, after the event was over, I'd come home, I'd need a day, maybe two to recover. Now I do an event like that, and I'm out for a week. It's just like, holy gosh, where did all... (laughs) It just pulls that energy from you, and you don't realize how much effort there is in trying to make things look effortless. So that's why I've always appreciated comedians and actors like yourself you make it seem like you said that it's not really it's not comedy i don't feel in the same kind of rim shot way that most people think of comedians as you are a, a very impressive storyteller and the way you're right. able to weave through an evening you feel like you're sitting there with one of your best friends having a beer listening to the goofy stuff that's gone on in his life and that's i've got to guess that that has got to be a skill into itself to just make it seem effortless well, I, I thank you. I enjoy that style. Uh, that, and that's why sometimes the later show is not necessarily the best show to see. Because on the later show, people have had the chance to kind of get into their favorite libation. Mm-hmm. And uh, they feel like the, that you want them to be part of the show. And I don't. I, want, I do in the sense of just being an audience member and sit there. Right. I, don't need, I don't need your input. I've done this for 42 years. I got it. You know, uh, the uh, but it's uh, it just depends, you know. A lot of times, you know, a lot of times, and the other thing is like, you know, when you play a lot of casinos, like I do, right. you're just kind of you're just you know, like they don't sell the front two rows because they leave it for their high rollers who never show up, sure. You know, it, it, it's it's so weird to me. You have this whole concept of if you give somebody a free ticket, they don't respect it as much as if they paid for it, right? And so, I always tell them, say, sell the, sell the first two rows, I don't care about high rollers, but you know, the casinos. Don't really listen to me. Uh, the although I did, you know, I, it was funny. I used to do a joke, and I think, and I stopped doing it because I thought probably the casinos didn't really appreciate it. But I always said, you know, I've never been a big gambler. I've never understood gambling. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I, I work too hard for my money. But I used to say on stage, I go, I go, gambling's weird because if I came up to you on the street and said, "Hey, give me a hundred dollars, and there's a chance I'll give you ten thousand right back." <laughs> And you'd think I was high. Right. But that's what you do in a casino, right? You go, you basically, the machine is saying to you, give me a hundred bucks and there's a chance I'm going to give you $10,000. And we're like, yeah, buddy, I'm all in. But if a huge, but if you did it just <laughs> there on the street, they think you were, you were crazy. That's what I tell my, uh, my dad and son when we go to Vegas for Super Bowl every year. I said, you know, if it's easier, you could just tuck the dollars in my front pocket and pull my arm and I won't give you anything either. <laughs> At yeah, least, you know, exactly. the money's going to somebody that wants it. Uh, 
yeah, that, that aspect has got to be crazy. And I've seen comedians at the, um, you know, in comedy clubs, obviously, and then seeing them at the casino, it's kind of a different vibe to it. And then going into a stadium-like environment, wh- what would you choose as your favorite type of performance st- uh, location? Uh, without a doubt, the performing arts centers, uh, because it's uh, more of a show. Of, like, like, you know, the arenas, when we were doing Blue Collar and we were selling out arenas, that was wonderful. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, but I remember when we would do the arenas before they would let people in, I would walk onto the center of the stage and I'd look around and I go, this is great, but comedy's intimate. Uh, you know, someone's going to be watching that on a screen. Right. Uh, the, and with comedy, you really need to be able to see and be a part of the vision uh, to be close enough that you get the, the, the facial expressions and, uh, you know, with arenas, there's the, the, the sound issues of the, the slapback. You know, you got to take your time, and that throws off your timing. Uh, and so, but yeah, without a doubt, the, the, I, I like the – a lot of comedians don't like outdoor shows. I, I, they don't bother me, but, uh, but my favorite is, is when you are in a nice performing arts center. Doing the shows as you've done, and you've had an opportunity to work with some of the kings of comedy – what really has stood out to you? And I mean, obviously, your friendship with Foxworthy and Larry and, and everything is, is pretty high up there. But what comedians have stood out to you as the most impressive, just kind of creative forces when you've been around them? Uh, well, golly, there's a, there's a bunch of them. There's a, a young man named Nate Bargatze, who, who I love uh, and wish I could do my show like his. Uh, it's just he's very funny. But, you know, I, I Kevin Hart, I think, is it does a great job of of storytelling of what I call storytelling type of humor. Uh, the, uh, I always, listen, I go back to the first time I bought Steve Martin's let's get small. Yeah. Uh, that was just such a great album. And that was probably the one that really piqued my interest about, but I didn't think you could do it for a job. I, you know, I just thought it would be something you do, uh, you know, in your part time. Uh, but there's, Comedy is so wonderful in that sense of creative energy because, you know, when I get emails from people saying, how do I become a comedian? I always tell them, they, they go, well, I'm funny around the office. I go, well, everybody's funny around the office because right. they know you. I say, go, on a, go to a comedy club on a midnight show on a Saturday night, and if you can make those people laugh, then you got a shot in this business. Uh, you know, you got to be able to get in front of people because, uh, well, man, when I'm, I'm tie this back to what you said, the creative energy is it. My job is to take something that you can relate to and, and, and make you feel like, you know, like, like I always know I've written a good joke when I see a husband or a wife kind of elbow each other, like, yeah, that's you right there. Right. Uh, and that's, that, 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 that's not easy to do uh, because, you know, I've had, it, it's such a psychological battle uh, when you're on stage. I've had shows where the, there'll be a couple there and a the woman's laughing like crazy and the man's sitting there with his arms folded. Like, you know, mm. like I'm hitting on his wife or something. <laughs> uh, and the other thing is because comedy is so personal. Right. Uh, you know, you know if, no offense to bands, but if you go hear a band and they play a song you don't like, you know, you think, oh, well, maybe they'll play another one I like. You know, with comedy, if they don't like what you're saying on stage, they don't like you. They don't like the way you live your life. They don't like what you believe. in. Right. You know, it's, it's a very personal thing. And uh, so it's a it's a constant battle. And that that's going back to the retirement part of this is that when you, when that energy, you know, starts to fade, then it, it becomes a much more difficult job. Let's uh, we have to take a quick break. Bill, will you stay in for another segment with us? Yeah. If you can answer me one question, I can. Why is it in paranormal shows? The ghosts only show up at night. I will be happy to explain <laughs> that when we return. Stay tuned. This is the family. And we are back with stretches picks. Who's winning this thing? The kitties, the pack, the bears, or the purple? None of the above. Those are all the teams in the division. I know that. Well, who's your pick? I'm going with Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. What? It's not a football team. Sabre is one of the largest Bryant dealers in the state, which means you save. Yep, I'm going with Sabre, Sabre and Bryant, doing whatever it takes to keep you comfortable. Oh, uh, one more thing, Tom. What's that? Visit SabreHeating.com. 
Hello, I'm Brad Huckle, President and Chief Lending Officer at North American Banking Company. And I'm Mike Bilski, CEO at North American Banking Company, Bradley's partner. As a locally owned and operated community bank, we work with a lot of multi-generational, family-owned businesses. Take Raymond Auto Body of St. Paul, for example. Four generations of the Slomkowski family having successfully run the business. When they were ready to expand, we helped them acquire a new building, allowing them to service more vehicles in their state-of-the-art shop. We've also helped them set up the next generation of owners, keeping the business and family for years to come. Tom here. If you want a family business like me or any business, you should be banking with Brad and Mike over at North American Banking Company. I know them and trust them with my banking. Every time I deal with them or their team, I know I'm working with experienced professional bankers. Sounds like we really won you over, Tommy. Well, let's not get crazy, Brad. Seriously. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience member, FDIC, and equal housing lender? As you know, my friend Mike Lindell has a passion to help everyone get the best sleep of your life. He didn't stop by simply creating the best pillow. Mike created the new Giza Dream bed sheets. They look and feel great, which means an even better night's sleep for me, which is crucial for my busy schedule. Mike found the world's best cotton called Giza. It's ultra soft and breathable, but extremely durable. Mike's Giza sheets come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. The first night you sleep on the Giza sheets, you will never want to sleep on anything else. Giza Dream sheets come in a variety of sizes and colors. Mike's making a special offer for my listeners. You buy one set, get another set absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use promo code TOM. There you'll find not only this amazing offer, but also deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, MyPillow towel sets, and so much more. Call 1-800-516-5146. Use the promo code TOM. Go to MyPillow.com. Make sure you use the promo code TOM. Until next week, filling in, I'm Dave Schrader. Our guest today, Bill Engvall, and you can check out his website at BillEngvall.com. We'll have a link up for that, and you can download Bill's new comedy special. You can find tour dates, and it looks like you're going to be stretching the tour out into about July 2022 is what I'm seeing on your schedule here. Is that right, Bill? Yeah. Uh, what I, I didn't want to just, as Barney Fife would say, nip it in the bud. <laughs> right. Uh, but I, I, so we thought, I, I said, well, I'll do 20 dates in 22 uh, and then that'll be it. So you're just slowly working your way. You, you see that out there. That still seems like a long time. But, man, six yeah. months flies by when you're out there working this stuff, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. Uh, like, I've got shows this weekend and next weekend, and it's like, ugh. <laughs> and the, the shows will be great, but, right. it, it, but it's just it, – this is, it's funny because when I first announced it and uh, the first show I did after I announced I was going to retire, the show was just off the charts. Amazing. And as I'm standing there after I said goodnight and they're cheering and hollering and whooping and I remember thinking, am I doing the right thing here? And I thought, <laughs> yes, you, you are, you gotta, you, you know, just because the shows are really good. Doesn't mean this change because I, I find myself looking at the counter going, I, I'll tell you a great example. When I, when I started doing theaters and arenas and stuff, I'd be packed two days before I had to go because I was so excited. Now it's like 30 minutes before I got to get in the car, drive to the airport. I'm throwing stuff in a bag. And, you know, it's, just like, it's like, yeah, yeah, it's time. This isn't going to be one of those share things where you keep doing retirement for, <laughs> for 10 years. You know what? That's, a, that's a great question. Uh, the Eagles did it. The, the uh, Rolling Stones have done yeah. uh, Tom Bernard yeah, did it. I, listen. I never say never, but as far as I know right now, this will be it. Uh, you know, it, it, now listen, we may get a year into this, and my wife look at me and say, "You got to get back out on the road," mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> because highly, highly likely. Know, but, I, but there's things I want to do. Like I said, I want to maybe jump back into the podcast. Like, I also would like to start doing, and this is not to sound like I'm patting myself on the back, but I'd like to start doing some charities. You know, uh, charity work and uh, giving back. Uh, you know, I it. It amazed me that the United States, one of the most powerful countries in the world, we still have kids who go to school without breakfast. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'd like to maybe get help out in that area. And the thing that's funny, though, is when you're at this level of celebrity and you contact people like that, they don't understand. I don't want to just be a check writer. Right. You know, mm -hmm. I, I want to get my hands dirty. 
you know, it's like, you know, they're like, well, can you do a show for us? I'm like, I don't, that's not what I want to do. I just want to be Bill and, you know, swing a hammer or deliver meals or something like that. I, you know, I, I can write a check. Yeah, that's great. But, you know, it, to me, that I'd, I would rather uh, be, you know, boots on the ground kind of thing. Well, that's commendable. But getting out there, you know, doing doing work for people, I think that does inspire others to see, you know, hey, at any level of whatever you are in life, you can pitch in and make a difference and help. Right. But, right. you know, again, Bill, when we've got starving people in America and veterans that are homeless, but we're spending $22 billion to make sure that the ozone around Jupiter is in balance, mm-hmm. I, I question those things. Well, that and <laughs> listen, I know it's their money. They can do whatever they want with it. But do you do we really need it to spend, I don't know how much money they've spent to just take a rocket and, you know, with the guy from Amazon and Richard Branson is a you know, I think about what that money could have done. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's their money. They earned it. They, I give them all the credit, you know. But uh, I, I, I think that, you know, and would I, listen, would I love to see the earth? You bet. But two things got to happen. One, the price has got to come way down. <laughs> and two, there's got to be a way more shots to that. I, I want that. I don't want there to be any. I give William Shatner credit because second time up, no, I'll wait. 90 years oh, old, though, yeah. at that point, are you really giving him credit, or is he just thinking, if I'm going out, this is going to be an awesome way to Absolutely. do it? Absolutely. Yeah, I think, yeah, listen, it, <laughs> he, what was he, is he 90? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, that's, uh, you know, it's like I said, it's his money. He can do what he wants, and, you know, that's that's why I told Gail, I, my wife, I said, whenever I go, I want you to cremate me and then put me in one of those fire uh, rockets that just explodes in the sky and blue pretty lights come out. The, <laughs> go out, go, yeah. What, a bottle rocket kind of thing. Sure. Well, I don't really want to breathe in your ash dust. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking as a Bill Engvall fan, I do. Okay. Get the Bill Engvall. Hey, hey, well, I, I, listen, extra, I, extra admission it, it, for those it, close up. <laughs> if, if that bottle rocket is big enough to reach that far, then, you know, you probably don't got much choice. So uh-huh. I, think, I think what we'll do, we'll send out a, a free email and say, hey, you might want to stay inside tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Turn uh, on your HEPA filters. You've got guys outside like me with a rolled up $100 bill snorting the air trying to do yeah. Bill Engvall magic. I can feel myself uh, getting funnier. Well, here's the deal, Bill. You want to go up there but don't want to spend that money. Let me work for you, buddy. I will get you booked on the Branson flights to the moon so that way you can do comedy the entire ride up there and you're earning I would your be, keep. I would be so scared you wouldn't hear two words out of me. Uh, yeah. So uh, Mr. Ingvall's going to need uh, tang, fresh tang, the entire trip. <laughs> yeah, oh, and several gosh. vomit bags. Yeah, several. Good <laughs> God. The uh, Coming out of this, I thought it was really interesting. You, you were on one of the other podcasts I, I follow and watch, and you said something that really kind of struck me because I'm on the road a lot during the year. Right. And I, I just thought it was funny and poignant at the same time. You're like, yeah. The other reason I thought about retiring is I'm of that age. I don't want to be dead alone in a hotel somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Can I tell you that is my biggest fear? Yes. I told my wife that mm-hmm. is that I don't want to die in a hotel room. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, uh, and I, not that we can control where we go on, but, uh, you know, I don't. I don't want to be. Uh, I don't want to be the ghost in a red roof inn. All right, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the ghost of the red roof inn. I love that Hardy Boys book. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. That, that is uh, something you have to think to about. It. Show. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now you've also kind of uh, turned over something new in your life, right? You're you're now an ordained minister. Is that right? Yes. Uh, yeah, I am actually. Uh, I you know it was interesting. Uh, I did it. Uh, we were, um, I wanted to do it just because in case, you know, like friends or family wanted to get married and I could, I would, I could make it legal. Uh, and it was funny is the whole thing stemmed from, uh, the, my appearances on last man standing right. playing uh, Robert Paul. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, I had done a lot of different, uh, roles and, uh, that, uh, you know, it, but this one really felt different. It was, uh, it was, there was something to it. It had more meat on the bone, if you will. Uh, not that it, we made any earth shattering, you know, proclamations or all, you know, it was just still a sitcom, but I really got interested. And so I went back to college and graduated with a degree in Christian studies and, hmm. 
I do a little thing on Sunday mornings uh, on Facebook called Sunday Mornings with Bill. And it's just a little 10 minute inspirational thing. It's nothing real preachy. It's just something to kind of start your week with. Come on. We need more preaching. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just, I think we need a lot more preaching. Yeah. Unfortunately, some of the preachers are probably the part of the problems we have. True. Uh, the, uh, you know, I always said that that was the, the problem with uh, many pastors is they somehow make the transition from preaching about God to preaching as if they're God. And, uh, I think that people aren't really into that. You know, four wall religion is really taking a hit right now. Right. And uh, it, and I think it's because they uh, there's the, the younger and this sounds weird for me to say this, but the younger, you know, they're trying to reach out to the younger generation. Uh, but you still have the older generation that, that wants church the way it used to be. So I don't know what the answer is. Uh, and but I, I just feel like. I feel like a lot of times people just want a message that says, you know, it, it's, this is going to be okay. You know, yeah, there, there, there's, there's good things coming. And, uh, and, you know, we're going to have to wait for them and see. See, I'm with you. I, I thought what was interesting, and you, you know, asked me about why are ghosts seen only at night. And being right. involved in the paranormal, everybody's asked, why is there this big boon in paranormal entertainment? And I said it really fell on the heels of 9-11. Because we had such a massive tragedy hit our country. And if you remember at the time, churches were overflowing for the first time in decades. People were returning looking for answers. And sadly, many church leaders saw it as a time not of giving answers or helping people through this, but a lot of the sermons turned to tithing. And it became about what you can do for us Mm -hmm. as opposed to what we can do to help you through this time. And and, uh, I think that cost... Uh, and again, I'm not church bashing in any way, shape, or form. I'm Christian and, and believe, but I just I think that the leadership misses some of those points of of importance. And uh, I, you know, I've got to guess if you decide to go full into ministry, my one of my favorite pastors ever was one of the funniest guys I've ever met, and he had a way of delivering these stories so it wasn't dry, stodgy. You weren't looking at your watch and you know, praying for the end of the service, you laughed through most of it and were engaged. And then when he hit you between the eyes with something poignant, it meant a lot more because you weren't just sitting there in this kind of vexed state of 45 minutes to an hour wondering how quickly will the sermon be over. I think right. that bringing that element of, of your personality, man, I think there would be a lot of new converts coming back to the church to listen to somebody that can entertain and enlighten them and educate them all at the same time. Well, I agree. Uh, I, I think that that, like you said, there was we we've been given an opportunity to do this, uh, and so hopefully, uh, I you know that's I guess maybe I, I would like to do that is 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 be able to a good friend of mine who's a retired Episcopalian priest said when he was in the seminary, he said the greatest line he ever heard a professor say to him was, "In your sermons, keep it about ten minutes and keep it about God." <laughs> so, yeah, you know. People don't need a. They don't need an hour and a half long. And this kind of, believe it or not, this kind of ties back into comedy. Uh, I have a friend who's who's still in the clubs, and he came to me one day and he said, "How do I get into the the theaters?" He goes, "I've got. I can do a three hour show." And I go, "They don't want a three hour show. You know, it's at seventy five to ninety. You're even on the edge of right there. People just want to have that release and that laugh, and then they want to go about their 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 ways. Uh, and I said to get into the theaters, it's strictly a can you pull somebody out of their house and make them buy a ticket to come see you a higher price ticket in the theaters? And I said, that's all it is. And I said, and the way you do that is just uh, by by giving them what they want. And I think the same thing happened with religion, like you said, is that it's uh, we we've been given an opportunity. People just want they want to hold on to something they want to have. It's funny. I was talking to some. I had. Uh, I don't know if this was medically induced or whatever, but I've I tore my. I've got a torn meniscus right now. My and and so I've got some pain relievers. And last night I went to bed and it's just extremely painful. So I took one of the pain pills and all of a sudden I had this dream. I I thought I was awake, but it was just like this whole thing about we've confused people in religion so much they don't even know what's up anymore. Right. You know, there's there's people who like they, they believe in a God or they or whatever they believe. They want to believe in something, but you can't have an agenda with it. If you're if you're in, in the ministry business, you you know, I feel like you it's wrong. Just like in the entertainment. I, I don't like it when entertainers use the stage to 
to proclaim their their political views or I like I, I paid to hear you sing this one song just sing it you know uh, and so I think that 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 happens what happened in religion a lot is that uh, pastors and preachers started using the the pulpit as a way to uh, to further their agenda it's it's really weird isn't it how people lean into celebrities for input almost like I don't know how to feel I wonder what Bill Ingvall believes you know and that, oh, yeah isn't yeah, that a strange me. deal you've got to be like I listen I have trouble matching my socks in the morning I'm not the guy you want to take advice from right yeah exactly <laughs> you know, and it really you know it's like it's funny uh I had a, a, a example of that, that when it on social media when it came out that I graduated and I was an ordained minister so this guy I got an email from on my Facebook that said that it was his uh, one of his relatives had shot his brother when they were young and killed him. And now she wants him to forgive her. And he goes, what should I do? I'm like, Oh man, you are asking the wrong guy. Uh, you know, it, it, but you're right. I don't know. I don't understand the, the, the public's proclivity to, to wonder what Taylor Swift thinks about the political situation. You know, it's like, if that's where your worries are, you got bigger issues than that. Right. That's right. You know, we've always done prayer and healing requests on Darkness Radio and and have put them up there on our Facebook and, and social media feeds, and we get great responses. But then it's, you know, when there was this big battle when Trump was first going into office and there was all this derision and anger, people were posting on our page, they're like, what did Dave and Tim think about what's going on with the political environment? I'm like, we're two paranormal guys. We talk ghosts, Bigfoot, and UFOs. What does it matter what we think? Let's just keep right. the show an escape for you so that for 90 minutes an episode you don't have to hear about covid or hear about president trump or president biden or let's just have this moment but they were like it's weird that they seek like approval right. from people they you know that they like and again to me it was just the weirdest thing we're we're paranormal guys why do you care which which side we <laughs> fall down on and by the way even if you had the best advice they've ever had in their life someone's going to get on social media to tell you why you're wrong. Oh yeah. You know, it's like, that's one of my, you know, that's, that's another little uh, element that I've been talking about comedy and, and, and retirement and all that. I just, the, the social media aspect of it, I'm just so tired of it. You know, it's like, I, I always, I always laugh. I tell you, show show my wife when I see one, I could write the most poignant, wonderful post, but if I misspell one word, <laughs> right. The grammar police are all over me. Yeah. Yeah. And, I'm, and I'm, my thought is that's what you took away from this? That instead of T H E I R, I put T H E R E. Right. You know, like, but, and, you know, and I think that in a way, the, the social media platform is like the old West. There's really no laws. And, and I don't like it because, like, somebody can get on Instagram or Twitter or whatever and say, Bill Ingvall's special sucks. But they won't walk up to me on the street and say that. There, you know, there, there's no consequences anymore. That's like, the scary thing, though, Bill, because what I'm finding is I had that same feeling, right? In the beginning with social media, you could be a bully from behind your computer screen. Oh, yeah. But now people have conditioned themselves that they're taking it beyond that. They don't have problems. There's no decorum. There's no line in the sand in person now. They will say what's on their mind because they're so used to doing it with a text or a, uh, a social media blast that you're right. No repercussions. Uh, you know, there, there's nothing to worry about anymore. What You know, I, I'm allowed to have my feelings. I'll tell you a funny story. Uh, so I was approached by this uh, insurance company to uh, do their commercials. And they're basically kind of like a clearinghouse for uh, health policy, insurance health policies. And we did these commercials, and I couldn't believe it. There must have been five or ten people that said, well, I guess Ingvall's career is over. He's, he's hawking uh, insurance ads. <laughs> and it's like, I want to go to these people and say, let me give you, let's give you a hypothetical. Let's say you're a plumber, and you're doing your job, but you, did, you do a really good job at it. Well, all of a sudden, this big company, this big, whatever, nationwide plumbing supply house says, we want you to do our commercials, and we're going to pay you stupid money. Mm -hmm. You're telling me you're going to go, nah, I'm good just doing my little toilet fixing right here in, in, in this town of 5,000 people. It, people. It's funny how people don't, I don't know if they don't want to see you succeed, 
but it's like, when did you become the, the mentor of my career? When did, when did you become <laughs> the sculptor of how, how I should work my career? Uh, and, and, you know, they do it all. They do it with anybody. They do it with, I mean, you know, look at what happened with Brett Favre and the whole COVID thing. It's like, really? That's who I could I, I care less. If you want to get vaccinated, get vaccinated. If you don't, don't. If you get it, then you don't know why you got it. You know, uh, it's like people put, you're right, that people, they want to, I don't know if they want to insert themselves in your lives or, uh, or, or what they're, 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 they're thinking is going to happen. I tell you, one of my favorite stories was on my Twitter account one time. This is a few years back. I got a, a, a guy posted on my Twitter page. It says, hey, man, we're big fans. We love your shows. We were wondering, we've had some rough times. Uh, if you could loan us $39,870. And I I looked at it and I started, because that's a pretty specific amount of money. Right. And I, and I started laughing. I said, not that he had asked for the money, but I was laughing at the conversation that had to have happened before he tweeted that. <laughs> like, like the, he and his spouse are sitting around the breakfast table and goes, I don't know how we're going to pay these bills. We got $39,000, $870 worth of bills here. We're going, I don't know how we're going to pay this. And someone went, well, why don't we ask Bill Ingvall? <laughs> like, I don't know what people think anymore. Well, I, I, it's, it's a, a weird world we're in when there is GoFundMe's for everything now. Nobody pays for anything on their own. Oh, I, you know, I got a new dog and I need to get it fixed. Here's my GoFundMe. Can everybody chip in? Well, maybe you shouldn't have bought a dog if you don't have money right. to take care of it. You know, and you, you think of these things and, you know, I applaud people that save dogs and rescue dogs and do these things. But again, when it comes down to, you know, individuals making purchases that they can't stay up with, you, you yeah. It's a, it's right, a weird conversation right. to have, well, and that's you know, and that's where the you know, that's where the humor. You know, it's that's why you know, like that's the kind of stuff that I pick up on and, and try to turn into to some sort of joke uh, because there's the people will do things. I always say humanity never ceases to amaze me. Uh, you know, just when you think you've gotten as low as you can go, they go, no, 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 we can go a little lower. Hang on. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I, I just sit back and, and I used to, it used to just drive me crazy. Now I just laugh. But, uh, you know, there's, there, there's so much out there that like, I love the fact that, that uh, I'll tell you a story about during COVID. So it was right at the peak of it when people were hoarding everything, which drives me crazy, which is not a good sign on if something if, if this thing ever gets way out of control, we are so screwed because, yeah. uh, A, people are hoarding toilet paper where there never was any symptom of COVID that said explosive diarrhea. <laughs> All right. So that was that that I don't understand the whole hoarding of toilet paper. Uh, so I was in the market uh, and we were getting something for dinner that night. I was going to cook some steaks or something. And I'm standing there at the meat market counter with this lady next to me and uh, we start talking about how people are hoarding stuff. And I said, I just, I hate the fact that, that people feel like they, they, they can't take just what they need. They got to take more than what they need. And half this stuff's going to go bad anyway, because they're not going to be able to eat it all. Uh, and the lady says, yeah, I know it drives me crazy too. And they called her number and she went up and ordered 20 pounds of hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> right. But what is her story? We always laughed about it because, you know, we would go to Sam's club to load up. And my wife and I would be there, and we would have two overflowing carts, and you could see the righteous indignation look in people's eyes as they're looking at you going, you dirty hoarders, you dirty, dirty hoarders. And the one yeah. day we were there, and this woman makes some comment to us, and I go, well, for what it's worth, there's 11 of us under my roof right. during COVID. So I've got a lot of mouths to feed and a lot of butts to wipe. So <laughs> yeah. this is just yeah. this week's yeah. groceries. Yeah, this is you a know? normal run for us. <laughs> yeah, well, and I also love the fact that you know, remember everybody's having to wear rubber gloves? Yep. And then they throw them on the ground. It's like, well, okay. Well, <laughs> there's, a trash, there's a trash can two feet away. Uh, you know, you, yeah, well, I don't want to get COVID from that. Well, yeah, thanks for throwing the rubber gloves on the ground. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well, check out his website, BillEngvall.com. He will be touring until July 2022. There's information up there. You can also download his uh, new comedy special, Just Sell Him for Parts. Uh, you can follow him on Facebook and get his Sunday morning 10-minute sermons and, and have a great time. Bill, it's always great catching up with you. And when you 
dip your toe back into the world of podcasting, let me know. I'd love to connect with you again. Oh, Dave, you know I will. And by the way, you have not yet answered the question. Oh, uh, here's here's the deal. Why are ghosts give me only the short seen at answer night? Why, why do right. you never see a ghost at lunchtime? You do. People <laughs> people see them all the time. But what we do is at night, you, you pull away and strip away a lot of the distractions. Like if we're all out walking around in the commons here and a ghost is walking, how are you going to know it's a ghost? There's 35 other people walking in that area. At nighttime, when it's dark, it's quiet, the dogs aren't barking, nobody's mowing the lawn or chainsawing a tree, you hear, you experience, you see more things. Uh, for TV, they simply put it in the dark because it it's, gives you that claustrophobic, creepy feel. Um, right. You know, but certainly if they told me the ghost of Elvis walked into uh, the Dunkin' Donuts on the corner at noon every day, I would be there at noon to watch for the ghost. Uh, that's, you know, that's just part of it. But people see them day and night. That's the cool part. I love when people like in, in, um, the Merchant's House Museum in New York, uh, people have gone in to do the tour and they go up and they talk to the docent on the second floor who tells them the history and the people will come down and go, God, that guy was so good. And they're like, what guy? The docent upstairs. He told us all about the family. He's dressed in period costume. They're like, uh, there's no docent upstairs. I'm the only employee here today. Hmm. Wait, what? Yes. <laughs> yes. The Merchant's House Museum. There's great stories like that all over. Well, you know me. I'm fascinated by that. Right. Stuff. Yeah. The, uh, the, I, one of these days, and I know you and I have talked about it. We're, I'm going to we're going to hook up and I'm going to go because uh, I, I got there's we ought to do a whole show because I could I could I'm the, I'm the guy. I would be the everyday guy asking you questions like, OK, are there are there paranormal shows out there that you watch? You go, that sucks. That was made up, you know, <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm friends with every one of those yeah, shows, exactly. so I can't tell you any I of that. I know, I know. You won't ever give me the But, uh, no, you know, off the air, I can tell, give you some insights into what I think is maybe a little bit more dramatic than it needs to be. But, you know, for the most part, I've been on most of those shows. And from everything I've seen, what you see is what you get. So it's, you know, but we're, right. we're also putting ourselves in the most haunted locations on the planet. So right, it's, right, it's hard right. to walk well, away. Well, i got to get me one of those little things that is really loud. And all of a sudden they go, it says, oh, he said the word the. Everybody see that? <laughs> oh, that's that's my 18 month gold grandson. I'll send him right over. He's the little thing that makes a lot of noise. Buddy, uh, it's good to hear your voice. Uh, tell, uh, please tell. I hope Tom gets feeling better. I, I wasn't aware that he had, he had contracted COVID. Uh, please give him my best and tell him I say get well soon. And, and his advice to you, you: don't don't hug and kiss everybody at one of your shows because yeah. that's uh, yeah, can. that's kind of gone by the wayside. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Avoid that. Bill, take care of yourself, guys. Stay tuned. We've got. Strange Law is still on the books. That's next right here on The Family.